Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. This morning, during the first service, the Lord kept drawing my attention to my little, little, uh, little iPad thingy here. Okay? He just kept on. You know, you ever have just, just your attention, just, just go, you know. And, I mean, I was worshiping the Lord, and I was trying to get into worshiping the Lord, but I kept thinking about my iPad. And, and you know, through the years, this has happened a number of times, and so I've learned pretty much not to hold out too long on God. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll check my iPad. I mean, I don't get any text on it. I don't, the only email I get is the email that I send myself for my sermon notes. That's all I use this little iPad for. And so, uh, you know, I thought, why, why check it? I turned around, picked it up. I don't like to open it up because it distracts people in worship. But, you know, I mean, after all, I was being interrupted. And, you know... Probably like you, there's only a few things that can interrupt me in my worship. And one of them I've recognized through the years is God can interrupt me right in the middle of my worship. And so I opened it up, and guess what? My sermon notes weren't there. I thought, what am I going to do? Then I got to thinking, okay, well, you know, I know, I, I know what I'm going to be speaking, and I know what's supposed to be coming up and everything. And, you know, uh, they try to follow the notes so that they're up here. And I knew that they had the notes or else they would have let me know. But somehow it just didn't get into my, in, into my little iPad. Uh, you know, I, 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 I thought I did, but in looking at it, I realized I, I did some different notes instead of the, the right notes for me. So... I thought, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, oh, I, I know it. So I just put it back down. It'll be all right. But it kept on bothering me. It kept on bothering me. Interrupting me. I couldn't even pay attention to my worship. I started to worship and the worship was good. And I, I said, okay, I picked it back up. I thought, well, it's still not there. What am I going to do? And I thought, well, there must be something there that I'm supposed to remember. That I don't remember. Because that happens a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot goes on, on a, you know, on a Sunday morning, especially a lot goes on, a lot of rocks rattling around in his head, you know, and, and uh, so at any rate, I thought, well, I better get him on there because it might be, I mean, I mean, this is not going to go away evidently. And so I, I, I went back and, and uh, uh, thank you, Jessica. I handed it to Jessica. She did whatever she did. Hocus pocus. I don't know. She did something and boom, she brought it back and she said, there you go. Well, I was quite interested in what it ever did. I mean, why? Because, I mean, I know what scriptures I'm going to and everything, but boom, I looked and right there at the top, I had written myself a little personal note that, 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 that says, uh, you know, update congregation on Lucy. This is, that's why, okay, so let me do that. Evidently it was important to God. Okay. Wednesday evening, we were in worship. I don't know why God interrupts me in worship. We were in worship Wednesday evening. And Brenda got a text on her phone from someone. I don't even know who. But it was telling us that one of my pastor friends, a pastor named Randy Siebert, who is pastor of Church on the Rock in Dangerfield, Texas. He pastors it along with his wife, Elizabeth. And on the text, it said that their little granddaughter, Lucy, six years old, had been bitten on the neck twice by a brown recluse spider. 
and someone has sent out a prayer request. And so the prayer request came, and it didn't come from Pastor Randy, uh, and, and so it, but, but it came, and prayer request. So, you know, uh, I got up in the pulpit. You know, I mean, we'd been interrupted, and I said, listen, folks, we're going to interrupt ourselves for just a moment, and we're going to pray. I said, I have a friend named uh, uh, Randy Siebert, who pastors Church on the Rock in Dangerfield, and his wife, Elizabeth, and their little granddaughter, Lucy, has been bitten by a brown recluse on her neck, and her neck is swollen up, and, uh, you know, they, 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 they Put, you know, took her to the hospital and they started IV with antihistamines and, and uh, you know, she's in a lot of pain and it doesn't seem to be taking care of the swelling so they've transferred her to Dallas and, and they've had to, you know, put a trach in and, you know, and, 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 it, and, and you know, it's, it's just, they need prayer. And so me and you prayed. We prayed a good, strong prayer. And at the end of the prayer, you know, we just said, listen, you know, uh, we're just going to believe that God heard us and that this is over. You know, uh, that, that everything's going to be okay. In fact, we just said, you know, hey, everything's going to be okay. Well, after church Wednesday night, uh, we went home, got ready, and we took off, headed to Abilene. And drove till sometime in the morning, and we stopped somewhere, and uh, spent the night, and then we got up the next morning, and when we were, were, were finishing our trip on Thursday morning, Brenda said, why don't you call Randy and see how Lucy's doing? So I called Randy, and it's a good thing to obey your wife, by the way. Okay. <laughs> okay, I just throw it in there. She's a, a help meet, helping me look good among my peers. So I, I called Randy, and uh, uh, he answered the phone and he said, thank you for praying for my little granddaughter. Now, it's just, I mean, this just happened at, at you know, I don't know, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock the night before. And here it is early the next morning. And how did he know? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, how do you know I prayed for your granddaughter? I mean, the text didn't come from you. We haven't communicated. I don't know. Maybe it went back around the text line. I don't know. I don't know. We even said, okay. Uh, but, but I I went, yeah, you're welcome. He said, and oh, the prayer you prayed. Your congregation thanked them. The prayer y'all prayed, it was perfect. I, I thought, okay. And uh, he said, my wife, Elizabeth, she was, you know, everything was going on, you know, really hectic and everything. And it ended up that she was too tired and just too wore out to go to church last night. And so she went home instead of going to church. But she said to herself that even though I'm not physically in church, I still need to be in church because church is where God strengthens us. She said, uh, he, he said, so she turned you on last night. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, just, uh, she, he said, by the way, as she often does when she's not in church or we're off somewhere else, she's always watching you, by the way. I said, okay, thanks. And uh, I, I said, thank Elizabeth. I'm, I'm glad somebody's watching. He said, but last night, just at the time whenever you came up she said that you said I have a friend named Randy Siebert he and his wife Elizabeth pastor at Church on the Rock and you began to pray for little Lucy he said it 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 it, it just went all over her she began to weep and she began to cry and she just began to realize that God was having people all over the world pray for her little granddaughter and she realized the magnitude and the magnificence of God she realized again the benefit of the body of Christ and how strong we are together and when you said you know that everything's going to be okay by faith I mean it happened he said and we just it, it just gone he said in fact let me tell you I just got a, a 
a call from, uh, from uh, the, 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 the doctors. Um, now, she's still swollen, and, and she has a lot of pain, but they can't even find where the spider had bitten her, and they, can't, they ran blood tests, and there's nothing in the blood test, and they're saying that maybe it wasn't a spider bite. He said, but I have the spider in my hand. I mean, I know. I mean, and, and, and he was a county extension. He said, glory to God, they can't even find it, and God's going to take care of the rest of it. And then he called yesterday and said, listen, Lucy's home. Everything's all right. Nothing. No, no necrosis. No, nothing. Everything is good. Wow. Reckon how many people, how many congregations. Now, Elizabeth, you know, happened to tune in to us. But reckon how many people and how many congregations God raised up, that God interrupted what they were doing to get them to sign on to a God project in a moment when he needed them. I'm telling you, God has the ability to interrupt. I mean, he interrupted me this morning. He, inter he, he interrupted us Wednesday night. God has the ability to interrupt us, and he often does interrupt us. In fact, we talked about Wednesday night how God interrupts us. I, I think I told you, uh, I told some of you who were here, we had a lot of people here. Uh, let's see, we were talking about uh, how God interrupted me at one point. Oh, I lost my story. Let me go to another one then. Okay. <laughs> the whole point was making us a part. God wants to make us a part of what he's doing. In fact, we're the only ones that God has to do that. Okay. And we talked about how God just, just interrupted, actually interrupted Jeff, I think it was. Uh, we talked about Wednesday night. He interrupted Jeff back in 1985 because I stood up in a Wendy's in El Dorado, Arkansas. Neither he was from El Dorado, Arkansas, me either. But I stood up in a Wendy's. We'd never seen one another. And I said, hey, everybody, there's something going on in my church down in Ruston, Louisiana. I want all y'all to come. Well, you know, I mean, in a Wendy's, you know, and late at night one night. And then as if that wasn't enough, I got up a second time and said, hey, listen, there's something going on in my church in a Wendy's. And y'all, uh, you know, and, and then when I walked out, I came back in and I said, hey, listen, everybody. I mean, I'm interrupting them eating, but it was by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was turning me. It was the Holy Spirit that was just in, in inspiring me to do it. And sure enough, Jeff and his friend, Danny Jackson, came to that event uh, having in Ruston, Louisiana, and he's been here ever since. I'm talking about that is a divine interruption of God. An elder in our church married into my family. I'm from a nut that got up in a Wendy's and just stopped, stopped everybody from eating and said, Hey, everybody, Jesus is doing something down in Ruston, Louisiana. And, and they came. And the other young man he was with, Danny Jackson, came to our church as well. And we sent him and his wife to be missionaries in Mozambique for two years. Out of, an inter, out of a Wendy's interruption. God doesn't mind interrupting you eating, interrupting you, work, you know, worshiping. God needs people to play a part. God needs people to, 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 to be engaged. Well, one Sunday we got out of church, me and Brenda, we, 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 we just got filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1980. I mean, it was a brand new experience. We, were, we thought we were the only people that had it. We didn't know. I mean, we, we were dyed in the wool Southern Baptist and, and, and very committed to it. And all of a sudden, we, we got, we, something happened. We started speaking in tongues. Freaked us out. 
It didn't go along with my doctrine. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have any idea. But let me tell you, it was, it, it, it was something that was just flowing on the inside of us. And so we just began to follow it. We, we, we said, well, there's, there's got to be more to God than what we expected. And so we just began to follow the things of God. Well, God began to interrupt us and began to speak to us. We started going to a little church that was meeting at the Sheridan Hotel in Texarkana. Just a few people. Man, one Sunday we, we, we got out of church and I, I told Brenda, I feel like the Lord wants us to go over to Spring Lake Park. She looked at me. I said, I just feel, I, I just feel it's the Lord. Now, this was something new to us. And so we were wanting to kind of, you know, go and see what it was like. You know, I mean, is the Lord really over there? I mean, what's going on? Because this is something that was like kind of freaky, but okay, you know. And, uh, and so uh, she said, okay. So we take our two little kids and we drive over to Spring Lake Park. And, and you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe God just wanted them to swing. Maybe he lied. I mean, there was, a, there was only one hamburger patty at home. We had ended up selling everything that we had and giving it uh, away to the, 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 the ministries uh, that we were supporting. By the way, I don't recommend this, okay? Don't do it. Don't try it at home. It's a, it is a description. It's my testimony. It's not a prescription. You know the difference between a description and a prescription? Well, a description is what I'm taking, okay? A prescription is what you should take. You take my prescription, it can kill you, Okay? <laughs> So don't try this at home. Don't do this at home, okay? Just because you hear a good testimony, don't run out and try it, all right? Don't do that, all right? Uh, so, but we had sold everything. We had sold two cars. We had, I mean, we had furnished our house living in Europe. We had, we had, we had you know, and, and we got rid of everything. I'm talking about we didn't own a car for two years. Now, don't try this at home. It wasn't easy. But, uh, but at any rate, we, we had moved into College Drive Apartments in Texarkana. We moved in there with not a stick of furniture. We didn't have anything. Brenda went down to Piggly Wiggly and got over into the dumpster and got some boxes. She turned one of them upside down in the kitchen as a table for our kids and got another couple of boxes for them to sit on. And then she went and got some boxes and turned them sideways in our bedroom so we'd have a place to put the clothes we were believing God for. Hey, this was... Uh, so we were on this adventure to learn about God. And, 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 and he, he impressed upon me, interrupted me after church, impressed upon me to go to Spring Lake Park. So we get over there and the kids are swinging and I'm wondering what in the world's going on? You know, did I miss God? I'm looking for him everywhere. I'm wondering, well, why did God want me to come over here? I mean, what's going on? I'm, I'm you, know, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he just loves my children. He wanted them to swing. <laughs> we only had one hamburger patty at home anyway. You know, uh, and we were just kind of living day by day, faith. And so while they're swinging, God, what you got for me, Lord? Maybe I missed it. I don't know. And I look, and there's one person in the park, way across the park. And he's, he's laying on a bench on one of those uh, uh, wooden benches. And he's right by a little pond. And he doesn't have a shirt on. The shirt is kind of thrown over the, the, the bench. And he's got on a pair of shorts and, and, uh, and some flip-flops. And he's got a jug in his hand. And he's laid out like this. I said, Brenda, I'll be back in a minute. I done found God. <laughs> Boy, I went trekking across there, and I didn't realize it until later when, when, when he told me about it, that I must have positioned myself looking down at him. He was asleep, 
uh, with the sun behind me. Must have been, you know, about the noontime, maybe getting longer, about one-ish or so. And, and when, whenever I woke him up, he says he didn't know if I was the police going to drag him out of the park or if I was an angel. He said, but there was a, there, there was a glow all around me. It was the sun. No, but, but, uh, but he didn't know what it was. I said, hey. He opened up his eyes and looked at me. He looked kind of scared. I said, hey, listen, I know that this may scare you, but I'm a man of God. And God has something he wants to say to you. He loves you and he has a plan for your life. This is pretty much what I tell everybody because it's what God says. It is the truth. God loves everybody and he has a plan for every life. I said, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And if you will give him a chance, he will change your life. And then all of a sudden, I felt a spirit of prophecy. Now, I was brand new to this. I didn't really know what prophesying was, but I knew it felt good, whatever was about to happen. And I said to him, listen, this, this might, uh, you know, might, might seem a little odd to you, but God wants to talk to you and he's going to use me to do it and I just began to prophesy thus saith the Lord I thought you had to say that in order to make it a real prophecy because <laughs> I'd heard it in church thus saith the Lord God's going to begin God began to tell him you know you are my child you know uh, and, and and you have been you know you walked away from me and 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 you've lost family and you've lost relationships and you've lost everything and I'm going to begin to take care of you and I'm going to restore and I'm going to restore your family and I'm I'm going to move in your life and and I'm not going you know don't be selling your blood any longer he'd been doing that I didn't know he'd been doing that to, to get a little money and and on, on and on and on and and man I'm, an, I'm an, I was just prophesying to him and when I got finished he just kind of sat up and looked at me well I still didn't know whether I'm an angel or the, or, or the police I guess and he kind of stood up and he, he didn't look like he was real stable he was really really uh, you know uh, hadn't hadn't eaten well evidently and I said to him are you hungry he said yeah I said well come on and go with me come on you're going home with us uh, and he said okay so I brought him back across the park there I said, Brenda, he's going to go home with us. <laughs> he told me that he didn't have a home because his daddy had kicked him out. And that he, he, he was just, he had been living there in the park. I said, well, evidently you have been saved because God said you were his child, but you've walked away from him. He said, yes, that's true. Yeah. He said, I'm at the bottom of my barrel. Well, uh, Nick, Nick's his name. Nick came and you know, into our house. When he walked into the apartment, he went. <laughs> he, he was a little more freaked out. Still had that jug in his hand. Had his shirt in his hand. We didn't have any furniture. Well, actually, I think we had one bean bag. We had gotten $5 from some, somewhere and had bought one bean bag, and that's all we had. He just looked around. And I said, yeah, you, you can stay with us for a few days, Nick, until you get on your feet. God says he's going to begin to help you, and he just looked around. I mean, we didn't have a bed. We were sleeping on the floor. <laughs> and we had lived in Europe. New, we had a new four-bedroom, two-story home, five cars in our driveway, furnished you know, out, outside of London. And, and, and I, mean, we were, I mean, we knew what living was. And we didn't even notice that this was somewhere in a world that this guy was thinking, I might have been just about as good in that park bench out there. <laughs> we, it's amazing when you're walking with God, you don't even know what you're missing. You, you know, it, it just, it's okay. And so I said, you hungry? He said, yeah. I said, Brenda, would you get him something to eat? She went in there and got him something to eat. We only had one hamburger patty. Whenever he sat down by the box, 
<laughs> to eat the hamburger patty. <laughs> he noticed we weren't eating. He said, well, y'all aren't eating? I said, well we'll, well, we'll eat a little later. And we did. We always were able to feed our kids. I didn't have any money. Didn't have any, but God, would, it was an interesting journey I was on at that point. So, uh, <laughs> Nick stayed with us a few days. And the Lord spoke to me one morning. We, the next day was church. That, 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 that he wanted me to help Nick get what he wanted. So I said, listen, Nick, God told me he wants, to, wants me to help you get what you want. What do you want? He said, well, I want to go to Dallas. I said, why? He said, well, I want to get a job there. I think I can do better there. So we, we went to church the next morning. And at church, somebody gave me 20 bucks. And I said, oh, great. I said, hey, Nick. Listen, after church, we're going to go down to the bus station. He said, well, I actually have a, a, a suitcase that's in hock down there. And uh, I said, well, you know, can you get it out? He said, well, you've got to take money to get it out. I said, well, we'll go down there and get it, and then we'll get you a bus ticket and get you to Dallas. He said, great. So after church, we went down there, and I went up to where the, that, that cage was where they have all the stuff behind that you've hocked, you know, uh, that you, you, you've stored, they give you money for. They, they, they would do that occasionally, probably not much money. I don't even know what it was. But I told him, I, uh, the guy standing there, I said, hey, I, I need a, a, a suitcase. And Nick said, it's that one. I said, that one. The guy got it off the shelf, came and brought it to me, and I said, thanks, and walked off. And, and Nick said, How'd that happen? I said, well, God said he's going to be in to take care of you. I don't know if that guy worked here or not. But he might have been an angel. But he got it for us. I said, let's just take it. Then we went over to the window. I think it was $11.40 to get him a cheapest bus ticket there was. It stopped at every city in Texas before it got to Dallas. And we put him on the bus. We told Nick before we got on the bus, we said, listen, Nick, whenever you get to Dallas, God said he's going to start taking care of you. Remember what God has said to you. You continue to believe it. He's going to restore your family. He's going to begin to take care of you. And, and, and somebody's going to meet you there. And, and God's, God has already prepared, already planned. You heard what God said to you on that park bench and he's changing your life nick got on the bus and drove off when when he rode off brendan and i prayed god we pray that someone meets nick at the bus station lord when he gets off the bus that somebody meets him there lord and helps him and gets him a job and gets him a place to live well two or three weeks went by several weeks went by we got this letter from nick and said you're not going to believe what happened Whenever I got to Dallas and I stepped off the bus, I bumped into a man that owned a glass place, an auto glass place, and, and he, we, we started talking and he asked me what I was doing. I told him I'd come to Dallas to get a job. He said, do you have a place to live? I said, no. He had a place for me to live and he's giving me a job and I'm doing good and I'm going to church and he's a Christian and I'm being discipled and things are going great in my life. Whoa. Well, Several months later, I got another letter in the, in, in the mail. This is back before texting. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember before emails and texting? Something back before cell phones? I got a letter in the mail. I didn't know who it was from. Opened it up. It was from a Baptist preacher that pastored a church in Dallas, Texas. He said, listen, I want you to know that your fruit is remaining. He said, I was on my way from Dallas to Waco. And I picked up a hitchhiker along the way. He said, I don't normally do that, but something just told me to pick this hitchhiker up. And this hitchhiker, Nick, 
He began to witness to me about Jesus. He didn't know I was a Baptist preacher and I never told him. I let him witness to me all the way to Waco. He said, and when I let him out, he handed me a piece of paper with your name and your address on it and said, if I was ever in your area and needed help, that he was certain that you would help me. He said, I want you to know that this man has changed my life. You changed his life. He's changed my life. I have made a commitment that I'm going to witness for Christ now. I am not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am going to be a better pastor. I'm going to be a better witness and I'm going to care more about helping people because he told me his testimony, how you got him out of a park and took him to your home and gave him food and put him on a bus and prayed with him. Uh, he said, he has changed my life. Wow. Amazing, huh? Well, during the next few months, Brenda and I started a little church out in our hometown in Sims, Texas. We started with seven people, and in a year later, we had 16 people. Woo! Doubling your church in a year is big. I don't care who you are. Man, I tell you what, we were... We were absolutely doing wonderful and exciting. Uh, after a few more months, we grew to about 50 people. Man, we were having church. We had gotten us a building and moved it on to some land my daddy had, physically moved the building from one place to another. It had been an old Baptist church in Corley, Texas, and we picked jacked it up, dug up under it, jacked it up, and put it on rails and drove it down the road. And, uh, you know, I rode on top of it, lifting up the wires, and, and uh, you know, we put it out, and, and Brent and I got got under it and put new seals under it. I'd put them on my back. We didn't even have a jack. I'd start that old first grader nail in there, one of them big old 20 penny nails. I'd put it on my back and raise it up and Brenda would hammer it in with both hands. Kids crawling under the building. We were having church. We had about 50 people all excited about Jesus. And, and I was in the nursery slash office. Had multi-carpets. We had gotten some carpet squares somewhere that were uh, uh, samples. We just went ahead and stapled them all down. You know, it's a patchwork. I'm proud of it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thankful for everything. Listen, if you be thankful that God, that whatever God gives you is the best for you right then. Just be thankful and move on with it. And I, we just thank the Lord. Sitting there looking out that window that Sunday morning. A man pulled up. I, I was just praying, oh God, let people just turn in off the highway, Lord. Highway 67, a major U.S. highway. Just let them turn in off the highway, Lord. Just, just, just let them just, just not even know why, but come to church. Same thing I pray here, y'all, you know, same thing we pray, Ken, right here, you know. Y'all hear me? Oh God, people driving by, they don't even know why. Lord, just let them feel a call and a draw and just turn in here, Lord, you know. Uh, uh, praying that that morning out that window and in, in, in pulls a car and I knew the car and I knew the man and the woman that got out of it. They were, uh, you know, in, 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 in their sixties, uh, late sixties. I had met this man and this woman, uh, just, just on coincidence at a family gathering of one of our con one of our congregation members, but they lived 35 miles from the church. Well, I had led them and ended up got to lead them to the Lord. And I had been praying for their family, led them to the Lord, and they were driving that 35 miles. I'd drive over there once a week for several weeks just to sit down with them and disciple them and teach them the word. And, you know, I didn't have nothing else to do, man. I, you know, it, it, it don't take a whole lot of energy to, 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 uh, to, to grow a church when you don't have but 16, 18, 20, 25, 28 people. You kind of want to just make sure that you're doing everything you can. And so I, I was just, boy, and, and they, were just, they, they were just so proud of their new life you know we've been praying with them and teaching them and then uh they got out of their car and and started walking up and somebody got out of the back seat it was nick 
I said, Brenda, come here. Come here, Brenda. She ran in there, looked out the window. I said, who is that man getting out of that car? She said, that's the man from the park a few years ago. I said, yep. I went out on the porch and I stood there and I looked. Nick looked at me. I said, buddy. He came and we hugged. He said, let me introduce you to my dad and his wife. I said, I know them. I led them to the Lord. Don't you remember? God told you he was going to restore your family and get them born again. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. He said, I had no idea. They told me. But they never gave me the name. They told me that, that, that a preacher led them to the Lord and a preacher has been coming to their house and, and they reached out to me. Yeah, I said, I've been praying with them to restore their family. They told me that they had a son that was estranged from them and they didn't know where he was. They said, well, well they got back in contact with me and God put us together and I'm coming for a visit. I'm so happy. I'm doing well. I'm in church. I, and, and, and they're in church and, and now we're building our... Man, let me tell you, there is a God. Yes. And it... And it all starts with a little interruption. Just a little interruption. Wow. You know, God is good. God doesn't mind interrupting us a little bit. In fact, he interrupts us all the time. You may know Musa Jaguna. Bishop, Reverend, Dr. Musa Jaguna. A friend of ours, a missionary, Kenya, East Africa. When Musa was a little boy, his father was moved off of the scene. And his mother was raising eight children in a very small, one-room, little shack. There's, there's Musa, my friend. He and I have been good friends and brothers since 1985. Musa was the oldest of eight children living in that little shack in the graveyard outside of Nairobi in a little community in, in Longada. And as a little boy, just, you know, in poverty, watching his mom work, his mom would work all day long and she would bring home one sweet potato. And she would get enough money to buy a little milk and a little tea. And every day, she had to work every day, and every day they would divide. She would come and cook that potato and divide it up for the, for the children and her to eat. And uh, that little tea and milk they would drink, and that's what they lived on. Well, this man in South Africa felt like God was calling him to be a missionary. And felt like in his heart he wanted to go to Kenya and be a missionary. And so he did. He, 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 he raised his money and he went on his own nickel and he went to Kenya. And, 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 and he just began to witness around and ended up out in Longata and witnessing to people about Jesus. And, and it, you know, it was the late 40s, early 50s and, and just being a witness. And, and it ended up that, that it didn't, didn't look like he was doing very well. He ended up after two years with only having two families in the church. Musa's family. Musa and all those eight kids and, and then another family. He had two families who were living in the cemetery in the graveyard, literally because the graveyard was community property, and that's how they could just stay there and stay in that little shack. And, and so after a couple of years, this 
missionary, South African man, got so discouraged because he felt like that he must have missed God because certainly he would have more to show for all of his hard work than just, than just two families and just, you know, a couple of ladies and a bunch of kids who lived in a graveyard and had nothing. And, 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 but, but he had been faithful for two years to witness to them. He led those little kids to the Lord and he, and he shared Jesus with them and he taught them as he could. But after a couple of years, he couldn't take it anymore. And so this South African missionary left dejected, feeling as though that he had, he had missed God, feeling as though that he had, he had wasted his time and wasted his life. Surely God has not called me. And he went back to South Africa. Well, him leading, reaching, and leading Musa to the Lord and Musa's family, not just Musa is a preacher, but there's, you know, I know them all. And they're all servants and preachers and teachers and pastors, missionaries, every last in one of them. We were sitting in my home a few years ago and Moose and I were visiting. We were talking about how good God is. God is so good. Amen. God is so good. And I said, Musa, have you ever told that missionary the impact that he made in this world and in Kenya? Because Musa, we've helped him to build 246 churches here from our house. We have, we have reached out with him there and around the world. He's had a worldwide ministry. The man is amazing. He is just absolutely powerful and, and just, uh, just uh, you know, crusade after crusade, church after church, you know, uh, uh, untold uh, the numbers of people come to Christ and, and put into the ministry. Just an amazing, an amazing man. I said, have you ever told that man who led you to the Lord? Musa said, no. I said, listen, Musa, you leave my home. If you consider me to be your pastor then you leave your home and you go to South Africa you find that man do you know his name yes I know his name I said you find that man and you tell him what he did to affect the kingdom of God and Musa said okay so he went back to Nairobi and he got him a plane ticket and went down to Johannesburg and he searched and he found that man he came back and reported to me that he sat there with him this man was very elderly and he had never done anything else for Jesus he told me he felt as though that he had been such a failure. He felt like God had called him. He felt like God had sent him to Kenya and he did his very best there. But when he had no fruit, he ended up going home and just never doing anything else for God because he felt like he was such a failure. How could God use a failure? Musa said, I sat there and told him of all of the miracles and all of the people that have gotten born again and all of the crusades and all the things that were a result of him coming and sharing Christ with me and my family and how my mother is still alive and how she still sings praises and how we still look back to that day when he visited our home there in the graveyard and told us about a God who loved us and had a plan for our lives and if we would just give him a chance. He said that man just wept and wept and wept and thanked him and told Musa, I can go to my grave in peace now knowing that the work that I did was of God. The seeds I sowed have lasted. My goodness. You know, you may not always know immediately 
When God interrupts you and when God makes you a part of his plan, when God gets you to witness or gets you to help or gets you to encourage or gets you to, to do something for him, you may not immediately know the results. You know the story of mine and Brenda's story, how, how we were going to get a divorce. We were living in England and I, 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 I kicked her out of the house and told her that, that today's the day. This is over. I'm going to divorce you. Don't come back. We were fighting and things were terrible and it was horrible and, and uh, you know, it was, it was just, you know, the bicentennial. Seven, uh, 1976. <laughs> it was horrible. And how she went to lunch that day and how a man who was in California felt the call of God on his life to go to England and witness to people. And how he raised a little money and, 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 and got some people to support him. And, and, and he flew across the United States wrecking how many lost people he passed on the way to England. And he ended up getting to England, into London, and wrecking how many lost people were in London. And one day he decided he would drive out of London about 60 miles. And he, he, he drove out there and he went to a little cafe and, and, you know, I mean, probably like me standing at the park. God, where are you? I mean, did you send me here or not? I mean, you interrupted my day. I've driven 60 miles today to, to just to have lunch, Lord. What do you want? And he walked into that little, little, little cafeteria, that little restaurant, and there was this young little girl. She must have looked like she lost her best friend. And he walked up to her with his tray, and he said, Do you mind if I sit with you today? And she said, No, go ahead and sit with me. Why not? I mean, my husband's kicking me out. I, I got to start looking sometime. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a whooping when I get home. I might get one before I leave here. Sure, sit down. Now, this was so counterculture to Brenda. We were raised in a community that was not a mixed community, only white people lived there. Brenda never went to school with anyone who was Hispanic, anyone Asian, anyone black. It was completely an isolated cultural experience for her. And this strong Marine, he's, he had been in the Marines, minister of the Lord, tall, good-looking man in his 40s, late 40s, Walked up and said, mind if I sit with you today? Please. And there he told her about a God that loved her and had a plan for her life. And if she would just give him a chance, he'd change her life. And there she prayed. He said, what would it hurt to just go ahead and pray? And so there he prayed with her and led her to Jesus. That day she came back home, and when I got home that afternoon, I was ready to fight again. And we did fight. We fought physically. I was ready to fight again, have to defend myself. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I know I don't look like that kind of guy, but, uh, but I had to defend myself. And, <laughs> and she told me that she had, I, I said, something's changed with you. She didn't there was no fight in her. Something changed. What is it? And she said, I met a man today. Well, you know, on the inside of me, I'm, you met a man today? <laughs> now, I'm going to divorce you, but you ain't getting no man. You know? 
Isn't that crazy? I said, what man did you meet today? Well, I met a man today. Well, later we, we went downtown there in the town of Newberry. We were walking around in the town of Newberry doing a little shopping. And she said, there's that man I met today. I said, come with me. Well, I walked over there. He was a whole lot bigger when I got next to him than he looked when I was back over here. I said, hey, did you have lunch with my wife today? He said, yeah, I did. And he answered so kindly, you know. And I was, you know, you know, Matt, I was like. And I thought, okay, I know you can hurt me, but I'm not going to act like I know it. He was just kind. I put my hand out. And I said, I'm Ron Hammonds. And he, you know, I held on to it a little long, his hand a little long. And he told me his name. That's all I wanted was just his name. So, okay. I'll catalog that. Well, that was that. You know, it took about three weeks of Brenda and her conversion experience bringing such a conviction in our home and to me that I repented and gave my life over to Christ after about three weeks. I realized... I realized I didn't have a problem. I was the problem. You know, uh, she had been a problem too. She stopped being a problem. I was the problem. And we began a journey then of, of seeking the Lord and studying the Word. And, 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 you know, and, and, and in 1999, I had told the church many, many times the story of her being born again. But in 1999, I was living here in Nederland. And, and I woke up one morning and, and I was, I was uh, my, my, my scripture for that morning included giving honor to whom honor is due. And I said to the Lord, God, who do I owe anything? Lord, to who do I owe something that I have not paid him, Lord? I want to give honor to whom honor is due, Lord. I want to obey your word. That's what you do when you read the word in the morning, by the way. You say, Lord, how can I put this in practice in my life? Okay. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Elgin Taylor. That was the name of that man. Took me right back there 23 years earlier where I'd shake his hand, you know, never seen him again, you know, never talked to him again, you know, Elgin Taylor, Elgin Taylor. And I realized, pastor of Church on the Rock, I owe everything that we are doing here and all over the world to a man who allowed the Holy Ghost to interrupt him during his lunchtime to sit down and give his time to tell some little scared girl that Jesus loved her and had a plan for her life and if she would just give him a chance. She was tired of being pushed around and knocked around and cussed at and kicked on. She was tired of having a husband that was doing drugs and drunk. I was drunk for two years. She was tired of that. And this man changed my life. And I had never thanked him. In fact, I left him with a bowed up, you know, animosity toward him. Not realizing that he had sowed a seed that was going to take root 
and produce fruit for eternity in my life and in my family. I owed him my children, my grandchildren, every mission that we'd ever done. None of that would have been possible because of a certainty I would have left her that day. I would not be here today. She would not be here today. Our children would not be here. My two grandsons would not be sitting right there today if this would have not happened if he had not allowed the Holy Spirit to interrupt his trip and, and send him out of London 60 miles and then to interrupt his lunch to sit down with this young lady and to dare to, to not be ashamed and to share Christ with her. He could have talked to her about a lot of things, but he went to the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It took me eight months. I didn't tell Brenda about it. I went on a search. It took me eight months to find the right Elgin Taylor. I finally found him in Vancouver, British Columbia. I remember the morning. I'd been calling. I'd been calling. I'd been calling. That's when you had to use house phones. Y'all remember? <laughs> I called that morning and I said, hello, is this Elgin Taylor? Yes, I'm, I'm, I've been over and over and over this so many times. Is this the Elgin Taylor that in 1976 went to England on a missions trip? He said, well, yes, it is. I said, is this the Elgin Taylor that stopped outside of London at a little cafe and talked to a young white girl about Jesus and led her to the Lord? And he said, I often wonder how my daughter is doing. I said, well, let me let you talk to her. Wow. We've, we put them on a plane, him and his wife. Brenda and I sent them plane tickets and put them on a plane and flew them down here. Stood them in the pulpit and said, look at everything we have done. Look at everything we have done because you cared enough to share Christ. You cared enough to step out of a comfort zone. You cared enough to cross cultural boundaries. You cared enough to, 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 to dare to, to step into somebody else's moment and tell them that God loved them and had a plan for their life. I said, and right now, in the name of Jesus, everything that we have done, may it be to your credit and may there be jewels in your crown. And every Wednesday night since, you watch my wife. She'll sit there and she'll be writing a check. We send him money every Wednesday night. For years now. My goodness, how long can this man live? <laughs> He's old. <laughs> He's my spiritual father. He calls me his son. We've brought him so many times. We, we got to take him, take him and his wife to Israel. It was one of his lifelong dreams. Brennan and I took him and just, just carried him around and showed him everything. Through the years, uh, there was one desire he had. He had a desire to drill a well, a water well. He'd never been able to do it he had, in, in, in Ghana. Well, for Brenda's birthday one year. I said, sweetheart, what do you want for your birthday? And she wanted to drill him a well for her birthday. $10,000. Be careful what you ask for. 
Do you know how many people have been blessed because he allowed the Lord to interrupt him? Can the Lord interrupt you? Can the Lord use you or, or do you take those moments when you're drawn to somebody to imagine that it's to talk about football? Or only, I'm, nothing wrong with football, nothing wrong with any, you know, but, but what do you imagine those interruptive moments are designed for? Make sure that you're a witness for Christ. Let me, let me read our text for today. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The Apostle Paul writing, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What are you going to do for Jesus this week? What are you going to do for Christ? Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You don't have to be spooky. You don't have to be an irritant. But realize that when God interrupts you, he interrupts you for a reason. And you may not know for a long time what it accomplished. Like the man in South Africa. Listen, you may not know for a long time, but don't be discouraged. Like Elgin Taylor, 23 years, he never knew what that one little moment was all about. But look here. You are hearing the word of the Lord today because of that moment. I'm convinced. What would have happened if he had just said, nah, I'm busy, I'm tired. Nah, I'm in England. I'm going to go see the crown jewels. And I hope he did. If he didn't, I'll take him. Allow God to interrupt you. And don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I commission you in the name of the Lord this week. I commission you to go forth. Under the interruptive power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to call your attention to people. And just a simple hello, just a simple opportunity for them. You don't have to say anything. They'll, they'll let you know. And you just let them know that God loves them. That God has a plan for their life. And that if they will just give God a chance, He'll begin to work in their life. That works. It works. It works.